2: blue wire what's going on ladies and gentlemen welcome to the big blue banter podcast dan and i today are joined by zachary lee who hosts a bears podcast within the blue wire network so i hope you enjoy this interview we go over all things bears offense defense everything about the chicago bears the new york giants week two opponent in 2020 so please enjoy
3: Okay, so uh, the Giants coming off of, you know, like what I thought was a pretty good performance, given the expectations going into the year against the Steelers are going to come to Chicago where there's no fans. So the home field advantage, I don't know about you guys, but after watching one week of this kind of feels like it's out the window, like it doesn't really track in the way that it used to. So. We'll call it a home game for the Bears, but I don't know. I, I don't really know how to feel about that. Nevertheless, the Giants come to town for a Sunday affair uh, coming up this weekend, and I just want to know, like, given what happened yesterday, because we're recording this on a Tuesday, you just had the Monday nighter and a lot of time to reflect today. How are you feeling going in against the Bears before we even talk about what the Bears are up to?
1: you would expect for a team that just came off a loss because if you really look back at some of the Giants opening day losses over the last four years under Ben McAdoo as head coach and then Pat Shermer and they really have had a lot of opening day losses there's just a lack of energy that you felt was there with this Joe Judge team these guys were playing for Judge the tackling was better They were flying around the football on defense early on. Obviously, at the end, they kind of lost a little momentum on defense, but, you know, that's what's going to happen against a veteran quarterback who's figuring out a defense that really wasn't showing too much. It was a lot of the same coverages. But going into this game, I think it's up for grabs for both teams, honestly, having seen the Bears a little bit in Week 1 and having seen the Giants. Now, we can look back at last year, the matchup in Chicago. Daniel Jones played in that game. Mitchell Jabriskie played in that game. Both players will be quarterbacking their teams this weekend. I think, like you said, though, it's a little different because in that game, there were Chicago fans. And Chicago is a stadium I think they have a unique advantage because of the wind. And it was a later season game. It wasn't at the total end of the year, but it was more towards that middle end. And in the end that game, Mitchell Drabisky ended up nearly throwing for 300 yards, figuring out the Giants' defense, really beating the zone. They played a lot of zone that game. And Daniel Jones had to kind of make that 4th and 14 touchdown throw, which was one of his best throws of the year, to even give themselves a chance in that game. But ultimately, Chicago controlled most of it and won the game. So I think you look at that Chicago comes into this game with the same coaching staff and I think because of those things they have an advantage against obviously a team with a new coaching staff still like I said getting working out the kinks of having no preseason so I feel like although the game is up for grabs I will go into this thinking Chicago has a small edge here even though I'm not I'm still not fully sold on Trubisky Nick how do you feel going into this one
2: I have to agree with you. I do feel Chicago has a small edge and the fact that the Giants have to travel, there's something to be said about that just in general, but there are no fans as both of you guys already alluded to, but I'm not sure if either of these teams are going to be able to really establish the run because the Giants interior offensive line cannot block or generate any kind of power at the point of attack when it comes to running the football. And one of the strengths of the Giants' defense is the fact that they're pretty stout against the run with Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, Leonard Williams, and Blake Martinez, who was flying all over the field, who Zach is pretty familiar with, I would imagine, since he was in Green Bay. So there might be a lot of passes in this game. I'm actually kind of excited to see it. Mitch Trubisky could be in for a little bit of a fantasy affair if he can play like fourth quarter Mitch Trubisky and not the first three quarters of Mitch Trubisky, but it should be interesting for sure.
1: Well, on that note, before you dive into it, Zach, I would ask you, because what we've seen all preseason or not preseason all training camp and then what we saw in week one and then what we've seen with Patrick Graham the new Giants defensive coordinator in his stint with the Miami Dolphins last year is that he likes to run a lot of man coverage against the Steelers even once they started beating the Giants who were in predominantly man coverage he didn't really change out of it and last season I felt like Mitch Trubisky found a lot of success against the Giants when they were in zone so is Mitchell Trubisky over his career with the Bears, have you noticed any difference for him as a man, as a quarterback in man versus zone? Because we could tell you right here and then, and the stats bear it out, Daniel Jones was a much better quarterback last year against man coverage than he was against zone. So I'm curious if Trubisky has any of that to his game.
3: Absolutely. It's actually a great point and a good place for us to, to jump off. So the Bears somehow just managed to beat the Lions uh, here on Sunday. And the reason they did it is because Matt Patricia is a bad coach of football. They, ha- they ran zone for three and a half quarters, and then right there at the end, they started to go to man coverage. And if you look at Trubisky's career and the splits, just him versus everybody else in the league and him versus the Lions, it's night and day, and that's because Patricia, come hell or high water, is going to go to man coverage. Trubisky doesn't have to make reads in that regard. He doesn't have to read the zone and find the windows. I think we all – anybody who's a fan of the NFL understands at this point – that Trubisky isn't an accurate quarterback. Like he, whether through footwork or the way he's seeing the field or anticipating where a guy is going to go, he misses windows constantly. And that's the sort of thing where, where zone coverage, um, it really shows up versus man coverage where a guy can make an adjustment. It's a one-on-one battle. There can be hand fighting, that sort of thing. So um, I'd be really surprised if – the Giants went to man coverage for the you know predominant nature of their defense this Sunday only because of Mitch Trubisky's documented struggles leading up to this point. Now, uh, that may just be like the tendency and nature of the of their defense of the new coaching staff's defense, and that's something I would ask you guys, which is like, you know, you want to coach a certain way, you want to scheme a certain way, but when everything that the guy does is predicated on that particular thing? Like, do you switch it up and do something different? Especially this early on when you're still installing your scheme, still still trying to get guys to play that way.
1: I think you bring up an excellent point there and I'm going to see what Nick feels on this. But for me... The idea of matchups will always outweigh the idea of setting your scheme in stone and making sure that your players play to it. And while there is some merit to the idea that, okay, this is a young defense that lost two corners they were expected to start the season, a safety they were expected to play probably close to 98% of the snaps in Xavier McKinney, and really have new guys and faces, therefore, in the secondary, will zone lead to miscommunication? Yes, but when you have these kind of splits against a quarterback like Mitchell Trubisky, who still has problems this far into his career processing and operating against zone coverage i think you have to come out with a game-specific plan to face a quarterback like that you look at what jason garrett did for example on the flip side against the sealer sure the giants didn't produce that many points against a really really good defense but they moved the ball because jason garrett had a game-specific plan do you think jason garrett over the course of this year is going to want to have a plan like that where it's just basically all quick game with daniel jones in the passing game and minimal rushing attempts no of course not he wants to be a run first coordinator who's going to take deep shots he has a vertically based system but in this game against the steelers because of the matchup he went away from that and it worked to some extent obviously they didn't put points on the board but again move the ball pretty fairly well against a great defense so i think to answer your question, Zach, the Giants really need to have a specific game plan for this against Trubisky, and they need to mix in at least, I would say, at least 40, 50% zone in this game. I really do believe that.
2: Yeah, come out in something like cover, too, because what Patrick Graham did against the Steelers, it seemed like there was a lot of man coverage, a lot of too high as well, and a lot of also five man pressure packages when they weren't in too high. And I'm guessing against Mitch Trubisky, you're going to want to obviously pressure him and force him to make some boneheaded mistakes. Hopefully, get some turnovers out of it. But I'm thinking that the Giants will go into this and implement more zone coverage, more cover two, cover three, pattern match it a little bit. You can do a little bit of mixing of zone and man coverage on the same play. But they're going to need to have an answer for the pick and the rub routes and the obvious routes that the Steelers attack the Giants with because Big Ben and that offense were just rubbing the cornerbacks off of and legally doing it off of their coverage assignments in man coverage and with under routes and things of that nature and it really forced the giants to not succeed in man coverage so i'm hoping patrick graham sees this and he'll adapt and he'll come out with more zone concepts or at least a little bit more creative man concepts this football season will be different and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season I don't know about you but sometimes I love to just crack a Pepsi it could be a diet Pepsi and just chillax and watch some football Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers these passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game it is made for those who watch it Pepsi made for football watching even though sports had a break your business didn't you have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever indeed is here to help indeed.com is the fastest number one job site in the world because indeed gets you the best people fast Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over three million businesses right now indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post which means more quality candidates will see it fast try indeed out with a free $75 credit at indeed.com slash blue all one word this is their best offer available anywhere go right now to indeed.com slash bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th.
3: I think, you know, just objectively, as best I can, looking at the Bears, what they're up to on offense, what's worked and what hasn't so far, and also with, like, a little bit of a knowledge of the history of the last two years, if I'm going up against Trubisky, I'm just trying to get him to string together drives because that's what he can't do. Like, it's the I think we were 0 for 7 on Sunday on third down uh, conversions before he made one. Um, it's the ability to just make the pass that's there. Uh, and look, guys are schemed open all the time. He's getting better at reading the field and and you know, selecting the right guy. But just because he does that doesn't mean that he's going to deliver the ball where it needs to be. And so it's really just about singles and doubles. It's not about the home run shot. The bears don't really have. Mm. they've got a rookie that's worth mentioning down the line we'll get to that but they really don't have a lot of explosive playmakers when it comes to getting the ball down the field so if i'm the giants i'm just shelling up i'm telling trubisky hey find the windows and then string together a 10 11 12 play drive because we don't think you can now at the same time the bears shifted their entire offensive staff in the offseason save for matt nagy they brought in bill laser they brought in uh uh I'm always a uh, DeFilippo from the Jaguars His familiarity with Foles, He's quarterback's coach. So you have all these cooks in the kitchen now. And then they brought in Juan Castillo, uh, who Matt Nagy is known from uh, his time with the Eagles. Uh, and the whole point of that. So Castillo's job is run game coordinator. DeFilippo is quarterback's coach slash passing game coordinator and then you have bill laser kind of bringing in some of the cincinnati Bengals andy dalton stuff and then you're combining that with the matt nagy kansas city offense so who the fuck knows man i hope you guys can swear on yours because i swear the hell on mine um We really don't know exactly what the mix is yet. What I can tell you after one game is that the bears have a very different looking run scheme and the execution has been a lot better. I think James Daniels, who was the center then left guard then center then left guard now seems entrenched left guard looks bigger and much more powerful played a great game on Sunday and the bears average just about five yards a pop on the ground. And if you watch them at all last year, that's a sea change. They couldn't get a yard uh, last year. And, It happened against the Giants, and so when you have a quarterback like Trubisky and you have no run game to speak of, that's why they had the worst offense or one of the worst offenses in the NFL. And so I do wonder going into this next game like how much the Bears try to lean on that versus giving it up to Mitch to try to string plays together. I just don't think he has that in him uh, unless it's the last two minutes of a game, but that's kind of my opinion speaking out loud.
2: I wanted to ask you about that rushing attack as well because it seems like you guys have this three-headed – I don't want to say three-headed monster because Montgomery seems to be dominating the touches, but I saw a couple A-gap runs by Tariq Cohen where he picked up, I think, 10 yards on one and then eight on another. And then Cordero Patterson is also mixed into this a uh, rushing attack. Do you think it's going to still be like this as Montgomery... you think Montgomery's fully back from this injury, or do you feel like it's always going to be these three running backs that are being shifted through the Chicago Bears offense?
3: I think you know it's a good question, and I think and I'm going to turn it back to you guys in a minute. Which is what was just a week one thing, like part of a game plan, and what is the attack going on for this year? But in terms of the Bears, they're really hoping that Montgomery is the guy to take 70 percent of the touches in the backfield. Tariq Cohen's always going to be a scat back, you know, mesh concept guy with the tight ends, more of a you know a pass catching back than anything. But, you know, the fact that he, for the first time in his career, was able to take the ball in the backfield and run north-south with it, that's a miracle. That hasn't happened to this point. And if you talk to any Bears fan, they'll tell you that Tariq Cohen is an incredible talent who loves to run out of bounds for no particular reason at all. He just doesn't read blocks very well, doesn't cut back north-south, and it's incredibly frustrating given his talent to, to miss defenders. So... Um, I was surprised that Montgomery was going to A, suit up, and B, that he played as much as he did. I, I can't tell you how many times I watched him getting up off the ground to be like, any limp, and he wincing. And he looked fine. So I guess he's a quick healer, or he hides pain well, or it wasn't that bad, or some combination of the three, because he looked pretty much healthy. And so that I think the mix that we saw is pretty much what it's going to be, which is the bulk of Montgomery, uh, some, you know, Change up looks to Tariq Cohen, either coming out as a scat back or occasionally straight out of the backfield and through the a gap, just because defenses aren't looking for it. And then the one to one to two, maybe three times a game, where they give Cordell Patterson a lane and tell him it's a kickoff return from the twenty-five yard line, ready go.
1: I got a question for you as we keep it on the running game for a second, because mm-hmm. I remember a lot of the buzz coming out of training camp, and it was coming from some of the Bears players and I didn't get a chance to do the All-22 or even just the regular broadcast game pass yet of Bears-Lions, so this is why I'm curious about it, was that they had something special coming in the run game. They had something different coming. They had get prepared, basically. It was one of the quotes I think I saw for something interesting in the run game from the Bears. Now, I counter that with the Giants did a really good job in the run game, especially in the first half against the Steelers, but the Steelers were down some linemen and the Steelers didn't really do anything too exotic in the run game I thought until they kind of ran that shotgun trap play that, that killed the Giants when Peppers kind of didn't fill it in the alley there towards the end of the game it was a very straightforward attack I thought so from what you saw was there anything really different from what you've noticed from Nagy in the run game and I guess with Castillo now in the mix and something that the Giants should really could catch the Giants by surprise I would say
3: I think at this point they've got – the Giants have a little bit of film to work on, but if they were coming into week one, it's a sea change. It's a completely different run game. Mitch Trubisky is no longer uh, starting from the shotgun for, you know, 70% of his snaps. He was under center, and they were running play action more often than not. And part of that is – I mean, if you look at the the formations they were running out there and the personnel groupings, they were in 13, they were in 12, and it was already – I think they, you know – they were second to last in the league last year in those categories. A lot of that was predicated on personnel or a lack thereof. But now with Jimmy Graham, Cole commit the second round pick who looks like a player, looks like he's actually going to be a guy in the league. Uh, and I know this given that we just dumped um, Adam Shaheen, who was supposed to be that guy clearly wasn't. So now, this looks like he's actually a, a tight end. And then uh, Demetrius Harris, who is a generally a run-blocking tight end. So they brought in three new guys, changed the position grouping, and immediately now, given the concepts of Juan Castillo, Bill Lazor, and Matt Nagy kind of like throwing his own touch on it, I think you're going to see a much different approach to the run game. And part of that is just letting Trubisky play under center and letting his, his ability to roll out his threat in the run game um, be a factor on the field versus the shotgun RPO look which the league figured out about week six of Nagy's first year, and it took them another year and a half to figure out they had to make an adjustment.
1: That makes sense to me. Um, and then, but speaking to that, you mentioned that they're using more 13, they're using more 12, they're in under center a lot more with Trubisky. One of the matchups that really stands out to me in this one, and this is a player I've always had a man crush on coming out of college, and I believe that if you really watch the tape on him, he's creating separation at a much higher rate than the stats showed because— It's Anthony Miller, was not it? Oh, yeah. It's Anthony Miller. Miller? It's Anthony Miller. (laughs) And while I am okay with the matchup of an Allen Robinson— against James Bradbury really the only Giants corner to speak of right now that you can trust. Though I do worry about the times when and they did it a lot last year, but I'm this is kind of a two-part question. When they used A-Rob in the slot because I do not think the Giants really have a guy to match up for him in the slot. My question for you is this, were, was Anthony Miller on the field when they went to 13 and 12 and were we still seeing such a high percentage of A-Rob in the slot?
3: I think you'll have to like double check this against the stats, but I believe that Anthony Miller was on the field about 70% of the offensive snaps. Um, and he was a ghost on the field until about the third quarter. Now that largely wasn't his fault. The bears couldn't string together a drive. It's hard to kind of get all your offensive weapons involved when you're trying to just get, you know, your first, first down that sort of thing, especially with the newfound emphasis on the run game. So I kind of, I don't really put that on Miller as much now I'd ask you guys, like how much credence do you give to. Positional coaches saying, oh, my God, this guy, it's clicking this year. He's really getting it. He knows all the positions, et cetera, et cetera. The book on Anthony Miller, you know, in his Bears tenure has been an incredible talent. You know, from his first training camp, the separation uh, was really apparent right off the bat. And you kind of thought you were going to have a star. The problem was that the confidence was there, but the the playbook knowledge was not. He often ran the wrong route, made the wrong read. Um, He got taken off the field quite a bit for that. Like he wasn't entirely ready to be a professional wide receiver in the NFL. He was playing a lot of his Memphis routes were predicated on, you know, out wide man on man matchup, you know, make the read that you want to read or, or just, you know, run your route and not the option routes not the read situations not the hot routes that you're going to see at the nfl level and it seems like based on everything we're hearing from wide receiver position coach mike furry to matt nagy they are slowly but surely giving him the praise of this guy knows the all the positions not just his position and we're we're able to move him around the field a little more to give him some looks that he didn't have before so the bears desperately need another pass catcher to have a breakout year to take some of the focus off of alan robinson who's now in a public contract squabble and i think he's one of the most professional skilled wide receivers in the league but who knows what kind of effect that could have on the way you know they're going to go about uh deploying him on the field nevertheless like anthony miller having that huge 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 fourth quarter against the lions a one-handed grab to to extend a drive, the the game-winning touchdown, and the way he reacted to it. And I know that sounds very much like, you know, body language doctor. But in the past, anytime he caught anything, he's screaming in a guy's face. he get flagged for, um, for you know, taunting. Uh, he just seemed to, like, he just seemed to be too excited. I don't know how else to put it. And uh, there's a new calmness about him and a new kind of control that I saw on the field on Sunday that gives me the hope that he could be the guy this year to like really step up and be a premier option for the bears offense.
2: Yeah. For uh, us giants fans, we're really hoping that that doesn't necessarily happen, nor are we, nor are we hoping that Allen Robinson isn't put into the slot like he was last year against Corey Ballantyne when Mitch Trubisky looked like Aaron Rodgers out there and just absolutely tore up, the Giants defense but I just checked actually on PFF he was Allen Robinson was lined up 19 times in the slot in week one I'm imagining we're probably going to see that especially if Darnay Holmes struggles with Allen Robinson but Darnay Holmes is such an upgrade over Grant Haley and the Cor- Corey Ballantines of the world but I actually had a one specific question about a Matt Nagy offensive call and that was that fourth and seven did you agree with that or is that something that Matt Nagy really does on fourth and seven go for it when you're on around the 40 yard line with someone like Mitch Trubisky I guess does the team not have a lot of faith in the field goal operations that you guys have
3: well, okay, good question. And I think there's a little bit of context here. One is that Cairo Santos is currently our field goal kicker with Eddie Pinero out on the weird new three-week injured reserve. By the way, just as an aside, I don't like that they're calling that injured reserve because that fucks with my head. I'm like, they're like, oh, he's on IR. I'm like, oh, he's gone the whole year, or maybe week 11. They're like, no, 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 he'll be back in two weeks. I'm like, that needs to be, that needs to be like friendly IR, FIR, something else because it messes with my head. But so Eddie Pinero. Eddie Pinero is on friendly IR uh, and may or may not be back given that Cairo Santos is hitting field goals and extra points. But I think the Bears had the conversation of, like, we have the trust in our defense. We want to play a little more aggressive going into this game. And if we have that option for, like, a 50-yard-plus field goal or taking a shot, you know, get, like – I think they were hoping it would be a fourth and three, fourth and four versus a fourth and seven, but they, they'd they had a pregame conversation of if we're in that environment where it's either, you know, punts and, you know, a 20 yard punt to try to pin them deep or a long field goal or go for it, that they wanted to go for it. So Nagy's kind of done that uh, a number of times in the past. He's a generally more aggressive coach, especially given that the bears have had a good defense during his tenure, that he can take those risks. The problem is that, they called a great play. They schemed it up, and Trubisky just threw a turd. And, it, you know, it was right behind Ted Ginn. He couldn't have been more open. He couldn't have been more ready to receive the catch. And it was just, you know, four yards behind him and banged off the defender's hand. So um, no problem with the call. No problem with it. It's just the result of the quarterback. And uh, it all comes back to Mitch. He's just uh, a guy that has a higher ceiling than Nick Foles and some of these other guys that the Bears have had in the past. But the inconsistency is just a plague, and you can't – run an offense that way you just unless you're throwing 70 yard bombs down the field you know and having explosive plays it's just not going to work and that's kind of the situation with mitch
2: I have another question actually about the defense so there's this narrative that I believe is false but you know the Bears much better than me and that's that Khalil Mack has kind of taken a step back now I saw that he had six pressures alone in this game what do you feel like is the problem is it the fact that Robert Quinn isn't healthy and he doesn't have a complimentary pass rusher just maybe scheme that Vic Fangio leaving kind of also hindered his ability to maximize his potential what do you think is actually going on there
3: yeah, yeah. It, it, this is like a, a common you know, Bears narrative of like what's going on, what's wrong with Khalil Mack and that sort of thing. The problem isn't Khalil Mack. The problem is that the Bears' defensive pass rush isn't getting home. And so you know, when Mack shows up on the team, it's like eight forced fumbles and 19 sacks in the first game and a half. You're like, this is a god. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. Everything is predicated on him. When in fact, it was about the rest of the squad. It was about Akeem Hicks becoming a Pro Bowl player. It was about having a complimentary pass rush um Leonard Floyd never really panned out but there was certainly the threat of it and I have to say when Khalil Mack first showed up he was unblockable he was simply unblockable and maybe that was NFC teams NFC North team is making the adjustment to seeing him on the field but um now we're in a situation where like you said he was I think number two or number three in the league uh in pressures quarterback pressures on Sunday but the Bears didn't get home they got one sack and Matthew Stafford you know, had time to throw. And if DeAndre Swift catches that pass in the end zone, the Bears are 0 1, and the defense really had a lackluster day. So it's less about Mack and more about the expectations levied upon him to be the answer in, for, in, for every single question the defense has. Robert Quinn being out with a mystery ankle injury, I want to tell you, like, I pay a lot of attention to the tweets, to the stories. There is no mention of him being. He, he was out for a lot of training camp, but it was like, oh, just veteran day. Kind of that weird NFL obfuscation of the truth of like, that's ah, all good. Just like, uh, you know, just uh, nicked up, uh, you know, things like that where you're like, dude, just I understand there's some str- uh, strategy to this. But can you just. Yeah, he's got an ankle injury. We're hoping he's back soon. It's not that hard to do. And I don't feel like you're giving much away. So it was a surprise. He was inactive. Uh, actually, I would say it was a surprise. When he was not practicing during the week leading up to the game, when they finally have to reveal information, and now it's a situation where when is he coming back? Akeem Hicks is limited with a quad injury. Uh, he was on the field, he played a ton of snaps, but he wasn't who he was before. And the question is, is he going to get back to that? Given that he's thirty year, uh, years old, and that Mac just needs a complementary player, so the Bears have a really strong uh, defensive front when it comes to depth. They've got uh, Bilal Nichols who is taking over for Eddie Goldman uh pro bowl level kind of run defender nose tackle so Bilal Nichols was a fifth round pick out of Delaware and has really started to develop had some really nice pop plays then you have Roy Robertson Harris which is a really unique defensive line lineman Uh, I think he's about 300 pounds but he looks like he's three percent body fat and they took him from UDFA and built him into what he is today and those are guys that need to pop and need to help out um I don't know how you guys feel about the Detroit uh, offensive line. I didn't think it was any great shakes. And so for them to get one sack and for Mac to be the only guy that was creating pressures is a little bit disheartening. And I have to tell you the bears back end, Eddie Jackson, really, really good. Um, You know, I, I think there's talent there, but it's more predicated on when the front seven gets pressure that those guys are there to break on the ball and make smart plays, given that they're all really good at film study. When there isn't a pass rush, you can have the bears all day in the passing game.
2: Yeah, and the one thing about the Bears' defense, I know last year they dealt with some injuries, especially the second level with Roquan Smith and Danny Trevathan, who were injured on and off that entire season. And I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Akeem Hicks was also dealing with an injury all year. I thought maybe this season they could somewhat return to form, but obviously I think the departure of Fangio is gigantic for the defense. But I wanted to ask you, did Jalen Johnson find his soul after Marvin Jones oh just absolutely steamrolled him <laughs> on that play? I
3: mean, welcome, welcome to, the to the NFL, NFL right? Dude, yeah. 100%. <laughs> wow i saw it happen i was like oh let's you know the fam should probably just like skip past that on the tv back home uh the truth is that he played a great game and he got he got truck stick there's just no other way to put it but like everything else was really really good he looks the part he was solid in coverage he had the game winning uh pass deflection he wasn't like eaten alive out there and he's a big physical player so he fits the style that the Bears want to be playing on that side. I think, you know, like any rookie, there's going to be some welcome to the league moments. I didn't realize it was going to look like that. It's some bad film right there. But if you look at the rest of the plays, at least me personally, I feel much more confident with him there than I did with Prince Amukamara back there last year, who, you know, um, a really solid player for a long time for the Bears, but like, you know, more of a coverage guy, would be nicked up. And if you went deep, he could not keep up. And so uh, Jalen Johnson, quick film study, really seems like he wants to be a professional football player and is putting in the work. I think it's just a matter of time before he figures out what an NFL player can do. And uh, in that particular instance, he wasn't quite ready for it.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'm going to stick it and keep it on the defense for one more question here sure. for you, Zach, because I am curious. I look at this matchup, and I think on the flip side of the ball – while I do believe the Giants can do some things to slow down that Bears rushing attack and make them kind of go more pass heavy I think the Bears will find success with both Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller in this passing game I think while the Giants can limit them more than maybe they limited the Steelers the Bears find success so for me the x-factor here the Giants are going to pull this upset off and I'll call it an upset because right now I do believe the Bears are favored in this game though I still think Vegas is struggling to uh, have these lines figured out with whatever they consider home field advantage? Now it used to be you know a traditional three points for home teams. Who knows what it's at now? It's is long. is there a vulnerability on the Bears' defense because there wasn't really one for the Giants in the match against the Steelers? And I think about it, and I and you mention okay, Robert Quinn dealing with a mystery injury it's the bears they are known for a team that's going to give you nothing on the injury front i mean they make their beat writers drop cartoons to, to they have to draw cartoons of practice they're so far away from the action um so you know if he's out if Akeem if Akeem hicks is not playing up to Akeem hicks's level i'm just curious because i look at this defense on paper on the depth chart on our lads and it is just loaded with talent at all three levels but they didn't play up to that talent level against the lions and you mentioned it yourself this is not a dominant lions offensive line this is not really a dominant lions offense at all in my opinion so especially without kenny dolly by the way so my my question for you is what's going on right now with the bears defense why are is it just is it or am i overrating the talent on this defense or is it you know they really haven't been able to refine their footing after fangio left
3: I, I put it less to Fangio and more to this, which is a certainly, you know, Pagano has made some shifts in the way they deploy personnel, especially in the secondary. But I think given what happened last year, he's made some adjustments and tr- true to form, like Eddie Jackson is now, I think, I guess he's now the second highest paid safety in the league. He has input. He has input in. Um, you know, how he wants to be deployed on the field. They're playing him more like a free safety now with Tayshon Gibson now playing strong safety versus last year when it was Ha Clinton Dix and they almost split the field as dual free safeties. But to your question and to like a more concise point, Danny Trevathan was terrible in coverage on Sunday. Terrible. Uh, Danny Amendola ran all over the field and the Bears really didn't have an answer when they didn't have the personnel groupings right. So that's a problem. Uh, Danny Trevathan is a leader. Uh, he's physical. He's a run stuffer. He had a shit game and a concerningly shit game in the, in pass coverage. So you have that aspect of it. Like, how are they going to be able to cover uh, short crossers, rub routes in the middle of the field, that sort of thing. And then is the pass rush going to show up and it can't just be about Khalil Mack. Like, it looks like it looked to me like um, the giants had a little bit of trouble, not just you know, maybe less so protecting the passer, but certainly like I'm looking at the Saquon Barkley stat line. I can't quite believe it. Like how does that happen? Given his talent it's the most terrifying running back in the league from my perspective. And for him to have just no opportunity to get off at all. uh, It says a lot. So uh, the bears were vulnerable in the run game. Adrian Peterson ran all over them early on, especially from a physical standpoint. I think the bears certainly can, you know, do run fits, but if you can like physically manhandle them a little bit, you can get up and down the field in the run game on them. And then again, as I said before in the past game, if the rush isn't getting home, you can have them, uh, especially, like I said, crossing in the middle of the field, zone-based looks, the bears are going to give up yardage and do a bend don't break situation. So um, that's really the story from the defense, which is the expectations are high and they may not be as good as we thought they were.
2: Evan Ingram can have a bounce back game if Danny Trevathan is tasked to attempt to cover him. Because, geez, Giants fans know Evan Ingram needs some sort of bounce back game. But I wanted to ask you, Zach, do you have any questions for us uh, when it pertains yeah. to the New York Giants?
3: Yeah. Okay. So, like, really on that front, like, if you're the Bears defense and you're looking at the Giants, like, what are what what worked so well? What worked well yesterday? Uh, to the point that you're like, hey, that's something we need to lean on and that the Bears should be looking at? And what's something that's like, yeah, this is more of a weakness on offense and um, we just, you know, that se- seems to be the sort of thing that we can't get done.
1: I think from the offensive side of the ball, the Giants are going to want to do what they did in week one and what Daniel Jones did best in his rookie season, and that's operate in the quick game. It's get the ball out fast have a timing and rhythm based passing attack he is at his best when his ball placement is the is at the forefront and his ball placement at the forefront when he's throwing from a clean base and his footwork has improved for sure at least i thought so in week one and he has more drive on the football you notice that with three different throws in his week one game so when he is able to get the ball out fast he's able to get it on time and his ball placement allows for extra yardage after the catch now I don't know if that'll work the whole game. The Steelers clearly proved it wouldn't. I mean, there ended up being a play where TJ Watt was able to jump the quick game, make an excellent play. It was obviously an incredible play by one of the best defensive players in football. I'm not going to totally knock the Giants for that or Daniel Jones, but what I will say is you can't go quick game the whole game. So are the Bears' defense built to beat the quick game, and will they force the Giants into a different hand? Because right now, it just doesn't feel like the Giants' offensive line, which again has multiple newcomers on this offensive line three different new starters from last season, is equipped to do much else than the quick game.
2: And as for the and for the defense too, I believe just crossing routes, mesh concepts, any kind of man beaters to take away what the giant – to just kind of take – to just kind of – take advantage of the vulnerabilities of the Giants' defense. You can talk about stacking and bunch formations and then just kind of creating miscommunications between the secondary pieces, which are weak because there are liabilities back there in the secondary. I mean, I like Darnay Holmes. I thought he played really well, but he's still a smaller corner or nickel back right now out there and you also have Isaac Yadam who the Giants just traded a seventh round pick for who was burnt on that touchdown by Juju Smith-Schuster I think horizontal crossing patterns and those quick rub routes pick anything like that to open up this defense and force the man force this defense into zone coverage it's something that Patrick Graham isn't used to doing, and I'm not 100% sure if he's going to necessarily want to do that because he is such a man-dominant, cover-one, middle-of-the-field-closed type of coordinator. But I feel like if they just operate with those quick horizontal drag routes and manipulate the coverage, they're they, they going to have a chance to really take advantage of the secondary of the Giants, and especially if they can line up, say, someone like Javon Wims, a lesser receiver against James Bradbury, who predominantly plays on the left side of the field, that would probably work to the advantage of the Bears as well.
3: So Bradbury generally stays in one place. He doesn't float with your best receiver.
2: Uh, Well, in this one game, he didn't. He lined up twice on the right side, and every one of the other snaps were on the left side.
3: I mean, it, it strikes me that the weaknesses you're discussing are ones that play well into your hand when it comes to matching up with the Bears because it's asking Mitch Trubisky to diagnose a weakness in the defense and go after, you know, the weak point. Uh, that's, that's a problem because he hasn't shown the ability to do that. Meanwhile, you have guys that I really like. Leonard Williams I really like, especially in the run game. So, it's like, if the Bears can't, you know – if they can't run the ball early, if they can't establish the run and they put it on Mitch's shoulders, any other quarterback, you know, of competence, you'd feel like, all right, there's a lot of weakness there. There's a really like a glaring lack of depth. But with Trubisky, you know, that may not matter. He may not be able to put it on a guy's hands, so you may get away with it all the same. You know what I mean?
2: Exactly. That was a thing that Big Ben took advantage of. The Giants would bring five-man pressure packages, and Ben would just sit there, find the open receiver, find Juju on a cross, Deontay Johnson on an under, a dig, or a cross, anywhere against man coverage where the receiver can be running away horizontally from the cover uh, from the covering defender and big ben's so quick with that from a processing standpoint and i'm hoping as a giants fan that trubisky struggles a little bit with this and maybe that pass rush or that five-man pressure package can get home and you know get some sacks for this giant
3: It strikes me just like kind of listening to this that they're going to ask Anthony Miller to be the crosser because that's one of the ways in which he gets the most separation. Like He doesn't get vertical separation. He's more of a hand fighter vertically. And if you look back at his game winning touchdown, like he didn't leave anybody in the dust. He kind of stacked. I guess you could say he stacked, but really it was about hand fighting and that last little sort of push, but not enough to to get called for it to get the separation he needed. But running across the field, it's almost always coming out of his break, he's going to get a couple yards of separation. So my guess would be that the Bears ask him to do that. And then I guess I would just ask, you know, like, what are the linebackers like in coverage? Because the Bears didn't get Jimmy Graham or Cole Komet involved in the passing game in the way that they wanted to. And I know that's going to be a point of emphasis just for the Bears regardless of opponent.
2: Giants really only played one linebacker basically the entire game, and that was Blake Martinez. They run a lot of secondary pieces as second-level defenders. Guys like Julian Love, Xavier McKinney would have been one of those players as well. Jabril Peppers, those are the kind of guys who kind of fill and play in the box, and they play a lot of big dime, big nickel kind of packages. So those players, they're adept at covering. Now, Blake Martinez, we didn't really see all that much of it. from. Uh-uh on week one there was a lot of i guess you could say running backs releasing out of the backfield and he was just kind of keeping up with him in the flat there was one play where he lost the running back at the line of scrimmage and the running back leaked into the flat wide open but the pressure got home and big ben ended up oversailing the running back i think it was benny snell on that play so we don't really know i've watched blake martinez with the packers and again he wasn't tasked to cover all that much it didn't seem like and they run a lot of similar concepts to Patrick Graham Patrick Graham used to coach there as a linebackers coach but they run a lot of those you know big dime big nickel they have a lot of second level defenders who ha- who have the coverage ability but aren't liabilities in the box so if you see guys like Julian Love and who played every snap for this Giants defense there was only a couple players who did I believe it was Blake Martinez James Bradbury and Julian Love who played every snap and then you got guys like Logan Ryan who are still getting acclimated to the defense he played 38 snaps which was like sixth or seventh most out of all the defenders out out there, If you have those guys, I think it might be a little bit difficult for the for the Bears to really create separation, but I think there are weak points on this Giants defense that Mitchell Trubisky can probably take advantage of, and it's the same liability that the Bears circled last year, and that was Corey Ballantyne. Now he's playing on the boundary, but he played a significant amount of snaps, and I think wherever Corey Ballantyne is, the Bears are going to look to target that side of the field. I think that's going to be the Bears' game plan, at least initially, until he proves that he can stop that because he kind of has just been somewhat of a liability, I guess you could say. I don't think he played terribly in week one, but he's definitely the person I'm going to target rather than someone like James Bradbury or some of these other secondary pieces that are back there.
3: Sure, and it makes sense that any NFL uh, offensive or defensive coordinator is going to say, let's make Mitch Trubisky beat us because more often than not, that's a winning formula. Um, is, there, is there anything you're seeing in the – develop? you mentioned kind of velocity on throws but and, and foot placement, but, you know, we're in the year two of Daniel Jones. And, um, you know, I think at least from my perspective as somebody who's, you know, just casually watching, he's exceeded my own personal expectations of what he would be in year one. Like the fumbles are one thing, the ball security. But, like, in terms of poise, in terms of being able to put the ball in a good place, I feel like you've got a franchise quarterback. Do you feel the same way?
2: I do, and I'm sure Dan does as well, because Daniel Jones really has some balls back there. He will step into the pocket, take big hits, and deliver balls with good placement. To be honest, I mean he did it in this game with the the ball, the deep post, the 41 yard touchdown to Darius Slayton, and I come away I came away really intrigued with Daniel Jones's first performance in this new offense in this truncated offseason with an offensive line that couldn't block and no rushing attack cards are kind of stacked against him and I know he had the boneheaded play which I thought was a terrible play call you have a weak play action to the same side and you're gonna roll out to the opposite throwing arm of Daniel Jones that's just putting him in a terrible situation and I love some of the other red zone play calls that jason garrett had especially after the botched punt from deontay johnson i thought that was a really good sequence of plays from jason garrett but that one i really disagreed with put daniel jones into a bad position and daniel jones compounded that by making a really bad mistake he should have obviously either just took that sack tried to get a yard rushing or just throw it way earlier but he has to turn his whole body and try to set his feet it was just it was just terrible but on the whole when it comes to daniel jones i'm i'm happy that he's the new york giants quarterback but he still does have a lot to prove
1: yeah, and on my end, Zach, for me, coming into the process, he was not a prospect I love coming into the draft. And then he won me over really quick in his rookie season. And then from that point on, those, te- those expectations have been a bit tempered. I think when it comes to Jones, what happens here is you have a lot of people who had a pre-draft take about Jones and haven't been able to come off it or want to be proved right in it. And you see this with a lot of players across the NFL. But the reason why I'm still high on Jones is is if it is for is, is really it boils all down to this Zach. it boils down to when i'm evaluating a quarterback i'm interested in one major thing can he keep an offense in rhythm and on time in the passing game due to mechanics from an arm standpoint from the upper body up footwork lower body which I thought needed to be improved as a rookie I thought needed to be improved during his time at Duke where I thought that well you know he had excellent coaching when it came to his throwing mechanics at Duke with David Cutcliffe who really focused with him there to get this over-the-top throwing motion down and he really and I think it's why he's able to stay so accurate and his ball placement is really not an issue you look at some of these young quarterbacks Darnold, Josh Allen, Dwayne Haskins there are a lot of balls that are really off target from platforms that are balanced but that's not the case often with Jones really his misses come when he short arms balls on deep balls because the arm talent is somewhat of an issue and that was only really apparent anyway in the late season games but for me with Jones if he improves the footwork which I think he's taken steps to do he still has it all upstairs the real key for Jones for me will be the mental processing that has to speed up that has to get better he showed some signs of improvement against zone in week one but in conjunction with that he has to play a little bit less hero ball it really does come down to that and that's something that i don't know they'll be able to get to take out of him this might just be who he is it's who eli manning was and eli manning when he was at his best helped the giants win two super bowls the second super bowl in 2011 that objectively speaking was pretty much all him and a couple receivers they were 30th in run game that year they were 31st in defense and their offensive line graded out 32nd of all 32 teams in pass production and they found a way to win a super Bowl because he came up big in big moments and he took a lot of chances and that year he hit on him so daniel jones will be a gun slinging type quarterback who plays hero ball but he has to tone down the hero ball but for me if i'm looking at evaluating quarterback play what's gonna last over time it's that ability to stay on schedule stay on time stay in rhythm and that comes with excellent ball placement that comes with understanding timing concepts in the passing game and it comes with arm mechanics and footwork all of those things need to be there and even what nick said is a really important factor too that toughness and poise in the pocket that willingness to take hit and still deliver the football he has all of those things so if he can speed up the mental processing a bit specifically against zone and limit some of that hero ball play i do believe that he is the long-term answer
3: that feels like that feels like a guy that just needs his reps he's going to be in the league for 15 years doing great things honestly must be nice must be nice i will say Uh, Just just kind of wrapping up for a second here. I know we've been on for a minute, but I do want to give you two kind of like things to look out for from the Bears on offense that they've been kind of deploying and you can tell that the coaches are excited trying to find just like, you know, a couple a handful of plays each game. And the first one is Darnell Mooney, who is a fifth round pick out of uh, Tulane, who's a burner. He's like a 4-3 burner and i'm telling you that like just given what he was able to do on sunday what happened during training camp they're going to be looking to get him involved maybe in a deep shot maybe just like on a deep crosser but uh he looks like a real player the speed plays he gets in and out of breaks and he's uh, he looks like a football player he juked a couple detroit lions defensive backs out of their shoes so I would look for a couple plays for him when he's on the field. I think he's number 11. I'm still kind of getting used to seeing him. Uh, that's trouble, and it's usually going to him, or at the very least they're trying to pull the coverage all the way off so they can you know, play something in the intermediate areas. But look for him, and then Cole Komet has still not caught his first NFL pass, and they love him. They cannot stop talking about what a professional he is, how quickly he's picked up everything, and that he's just so well-rounded. So I'd be looking for both of those rookies to make an impact on Sunday.
1: I'll give you a couple that stand out to me that you should 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 be looking out for as Bears fans for those of you listening in to the podcast from the Chicago side I think the Giants found some success last week with that double screen that they used to get Saquon Barkley in space I think they're going to try to work Barkley in the screen game more they're going to make a concerted effort to get Barkley the ball in space earlier and often as design first read because of how bad of a game how poor of a game he had that's kind of how it's been forever with Barkley even with Shermer as his head coach he's that type of player he commands that type of I guess you know, tension might be the word or just respect from the coaching staff. So I do think he'll be a focal point early there on screens and design p- plays to get him in space because, again, they might not have the confidence yet to really force that run game with him. And the other thing I would mention is to keep an eye on Kaden Smith, who had a nice play last game when the Giants used him in the passing game, who I think is a guy that Daniel Jones trust showed an excellent rapport with when Evan Ingram was injured down the stretch last season and, you know, kind of fell in the fray because Ingram's back, but Ingram struggled mightily in the first game. And the Giants have already said, Jason Garrett's repeated it multiple times. He really, really, really likes this tight end corps. He thinks there's a lot of good players in the tight end corps that he can use in different roles. So I think Smith is one of those talented players to keep an eye on. Both Smith and Barkley, I think, could play big.
3: I would say for me, like the most terrifying possible prospect going into a play, like seeing it develop, is seeing Evan Ingram pull Roquan Smith away from the intermediate areas and then seeing a ball go into space to Saquon Barkley and Danny Trevathan on the other side of it. It's terrifying.
2: A Texas concept. Dan and I have been pounding the table for them to utilize something like that. Ingram vertical and then just Saquon on an angle route. That's something that I would love to see implemented much more.
3: Um, Okay, I guess uh, final predictions. Uh, What do you think is going to happen? Because that's what this is all about.
2: Okay, I'm going to go out on a limb. Now, I'm not a homer by any means, but I think this is going to be a close affair and it will be a 21-20 victory for the New York Giants.
1: I actually have some confidence heading into this game as well. Like I said, I do believe that after a little bit of struggles early with the Chicago Bears trying to establish a run game and trying to get that going, they'll find success against man coverage because I do think, unfortunately, the Giants are at a point now where even though the matchup screams play zone against Mitch, they're gonna play a lot of man and he'll find success with both Miller and Robinson, specifically when they're lined up in the slot. So I think the Bears will put on some points here. I think the final score here will be 23 to 20 Giants though, because I do think the offense for the Giants gets going in this game. I don't know what it is. I asked you the question earlier. It surprises me. I'm gonna watch this Team again because uh, I haven't seen it yet I'm going to watch the full game game pass game of Lions Bears but this Bears defense just isn't playing up to the talent level right now
3: totally agree and I, I'm kind of in, weirdly in like the exact same place with the score I've got the Bears 20 to 17 because I am a homer and because I just need to feel positive about what's going to happen but I think that's the kind of situation I, I look it's Tuesday we don't know if Robert Quinn's gonna play this week and you hate to put it on one player and say wow this makes such a difference but on defense in terms of allowing the pass rush to get home and what it does for the rest of the bears defense. I really would like to see him on the field and see what kind of effect that has. Nevertheless, like I don't expect the bears offense to explode. And I would expect the bears to, again, lean on the run game, keep trying to establish that play off the defense and not have them on the field the entire time. And the last thing I'll tell you to look out for, and I pre-apologize for it is the bears soldier field bear raid siren, which they did. Last year, when there's fans in the stands, and at least there's some fans that drown it out, I'm terrified they're just going to blare that fucking horn the entire time with no fans in the stadium. So I pre-apologize for that. I have nothing to do with it.
2: Can't be worse than the Bears All-22, to be honest.
3: Oh, that was mean. I didn't appreciate that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.